And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre, and welcome to our candidate forum for the Foster City Council race here in Foster City. So we're excited today to speak with some of the candidates for the Foster City Council race, and that's including Mayor Richard Awasti, Planning Commissioner Evan Adams, and Parks and Rec Committee member Stacy Jimenez. We did reach out for an interview to the other two candidates, but we did not receive a response. So today we're just going to focus on three of the candidates that did respond and are interested in doing the interview. So we're excited to present the candidate forum here for Foster City Council in 2022. And if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com, or you can contact us on the internet at www.podcastbythebay.com. With that, we're going to go ahead and get started speaking with Mayor Richard Wasti. Then we're going to continue with Planning Commissioner Evan Adams. And we're going to finish with Parks and Rec Committee member Stacy Jimenez. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay's continued coverage of the Foster City Council race here in Foster City. And today we're speaking with the current mayor of Foster City and also who's running for re-election, and that's Richard Wasti. And so, Richa, thank you for joining us here on Podcast by the Bay. We're excited to have you. And uh, so can you give a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for city council? Absolutely. Thank you, Andre, for uh, doing this important podcast for our community. Uh, I'm very excited to join join you today. Uh, my name is Richa Wasti, and I was elected as a council member in 2018. And last year, in December 2021, I was selected by my colleagues unanimously to represent Foster City as your mayor. And it has been my honor and pleasure to serve as a council member and as a mayor. And um, a little bit about myself. Um, So I have lived in Foster City for about 20 years. Um, My husband actually... um, worked at Wiza, and that is what brought us to Foster City. We used to live in San Mateo back then, and we found ourselves coming to Foster City quite a lot. We loved the, you know, the open feeling, the parks, and we used to go by the levee for a run, um, you know, before we had kids and and all. Um, And we decided to buy a place in Foster City, and we moved to Foster City about 20 years ago. And We have raised our twin children. So I have twins. Um, They are going to be 16 next month. Um, And um, we have enjoyed raising our our kids in this beautiful community. They went to Brewer Island Elementary School. And um, I have um, tried to get involved in every aspect um, possible. Um, You know, wherever I saw an opportunity, I raised hand to be part of the solution. Whenever I saw a problem, I volunteered to be the softball coach for my daughter when she was young. I learned the game and uh, be part of it. So we've been very active in the community and um, always find a way to give back. Um, 
professionally. I work as senior vice president at US Bank. I have been in the financial services industry for 23 years now. And I've worked for companies like Franklin Templeton Investments, Charles Schwab, uh, Wells Fargo. I've had a long career with Wells Fargo. I worked at Visa too. And uh, currently I'm managing Zell payments with US Bank. And why I decided to run for city council, I think last four years, I've been able to see the difference I was able to make in the city governance, uh, my professional background, my involvement in the community, and my abilities uh, were able to make a a difference um, and a positive impact. Um, And um, I got so many things um, kind of moving in the right direction. And I kind of feel that it's my responsibility having, you know, gotten up to the steep learning curve as well as making a positive impact. It's my responsibility to continue uh, to give back. And that is one of the main reasons um, I'm running. I'm also running because we are headed um, toward Um, you know, some challenging times um, and we need steady leadership, leadership with experience who can navigate us um, to a better future. Sounds good. And I appreciate you mentioning Brewer Island. My, my children also went to Brewer Island and I'm definitely familiar with the the school. So I appreciate that. Uh, we had a kind of a similar experience in that. Um, so, you know, there's five candidates right now who are running for council and out of the five, what makes you the best choice as a candidate and why should the voters vote for you? Love that question, Andre. So I'm the only incumbent in the race. I'm the only one who is running for re-election. I have the experience of navigating and guiding the city through once-in-a-generation pandemic. Despite pandemic challenges and several staff challenges, we as a team accomplished so much in the last four years. I think it's no small feat. Um, As I said earlier, my professional experience has helped me with the role immensely Above all, I demonstrated my ability to move the needle in the positive direction on every aspect of city governance, from tackling smaller issues like internet connectivity that our residents were facing during the pandemic, to large infrastructure projects like Levy Project. I have been successfully able to make a positive impact, you know, for all the projects, for all the aspects of the city, whether it's even if it's like only small step forward, I made a positive impact and a positive difference. Um, Foster City has had some unique challenges in the recent years with issues of staff turnover. Uh, We also experienced loss of public trust. I have worked hard during my time on the council and I brought stability to the council and to our staff. I played a key role in selecting our new city manager and we brought structure and stability to our overall operations and foster city is simply better than it was four years ago. And I have a long list of accomplishments, uh, you know, right from keeping the levy project on track and on budget, closing out last four fiscal years, 
budget with uh, surpluses, um, investing in our rec center, expediting our infrastructure projects, implementing traffic relief programs, implementing automated license plate readers, which resulted in actually a 50% drop in reported crime thefts. Um, We adopted our minimum wage ordinance, uh, our first in Foster City. Uh, We completed and submitted and now working on changes to our draft housing element. Um, We reestablished our relationship with our businesses. I worked tremendously with our uh, partner, business partner, Gilead. Um, There are so many things we did on that front. I did a lot of work in establishing regional relationships, which will help our residents. So there is a long list of things that I have done, and um, it is no small feat given the circumstances we have been in. And that makes me the best candidate uh, by itself, my accomplishments. But as we emerge from the pandemic, as we are looking at inflation and an impending recession, we need someone with with that experience of being able to navigate in such an, such an environment, having the ability to move the needle in the positive direction, having the passion to, um, to bring about a positive change and work collaboratively with council members as well as with the community um, that makes me the best candidate for, for this race. Well, we appreciate your uh... I think feedback on that and, and uh, your response. And I think that, um, you know, you mentioned a couple, I think pending kind of, uh, you know, things that you, you've, you've discussed uh, as far as I think issues you're kind of worked on and things like that. So what are the two top issues that you feel are facing Foster City and, and how would you plan to address them? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are, there are a number number of things. So I will definitely narrow it down to two things. Um, but, you know, we, are, we have several challenges, right? So our state housing requirements and how do we tackle them? Uh, we turn 51, our infrastructure repair um, and maintenance um, is, is an important topic and an important issue that we need to address. We need to complete the levy project on time and on budget. It's 74% done. Uh, there's a little bit more work left. And more importantly, we need to move the needle on economic development, having um, more businesses and restaurants in Foster City. We already were struggling with that and pandemic has made it worse. However, in light of the headwinds of an impending recession that we see, uh, I will narrow it down to two issues that will help all these issues that I've mentioned. So the two issues that we'll talk about are kind of like very fundamental to us being able to address whether it's housing requirements, whether it's infrastructure repair, um, you know, redevelop, re-energizing or vitalizing our waterways. Everything would be um, made possible if we get these two fundamentals right or keep continue move, moving in the right direction. Those two things, in my opinion, are um, our finances, mm-hmm. our budget. So mm-hmm. we approved the budget for fiscal year 2022 and 23. Our reserves remain healthy and within the acceptable levels per city council policy. However, uh, 
because of COVID-19 impacted revenues, inflation, higher labor costs, supply costs. Um, and we have felt a lot of pressure in staff retention and recruitment. We are facing a structural deficit in outer years. So as a member of the council, I've kept an extreme focus on taxpayers' dollars and expenditure, and we have demonstrated fiscal stewardship and foresight in every decision that comes to our table. Um, so we will continue that. I mean, mm -hmm. we have a really strong um, finance department, uh, so we will continue to monitor the expenses and at the same time, we'll have to identify new revenue and monetization opportunities to ensure we remain financially solvent and sustainable over the coming decades while maintaining the services and the quality of place that we all enjoy in Foster City. So how do we solve, solve it? Um, so we'll have to try multiple things. We've already set in motion a number of things. For example, we visited... Um, business license tax cap increase. Um, so we will uh, revisit that. Uh, we need to tread very carefully and focus on a fair outcome for all stakeholders involved. We want to retain our existing large employers and businesses, as well as be welcoming for new businesses while having a fair tax and revenue realization. So that is going to be an important part of how we tackle um, the impending um, structural deficit that we see. Um, there will be other things. We'll have to have dedicated focus on economic development. That will play a key role in finding the additional revenues if possible from the sales tax. Um, so we'll have um, staff member dedicated to focus on that. So those are just some of the ideas. The second one I think is um, uh, attracting and retaining the right staff. So as we look at engaging in a range of activities and policies to create conditions that enable long-term growth, we very quickly realize that it is not possible without creating, sustaining, and retaining a viable workforce that can support current and future progress. We can come up with all the interesting and ambitious, ambitious ideas in the world, but that is made possible by our staff and um, we are facing uh, not just foster city you know overall all the agencies and the market is such that you know there is labor shortage there is there, there is a challenge in finding the right skilled staff so this becomes that one of the two fundamental aspects that i talked about that will help us with all our overarching goals and the things that we want to get done um, some departments like police and fire, we are facing generational changes, which is forcing us to understand the key drivers of hiring, engaging, and retaining our workforce. So as a city, I will advocate for continuing to look at activities or policies and programs to focus on our workforce. And that includes education and training, succession planning, uh, and um, other things to enhance engagement and encourage retention. So that is my response to your question on the two topics. Well, appreciate it. I appreciate the detail. And I think when you talk about finance, um, 
you know, and, and looking at the, you know, um, you know, some of that aspect, your background in the finance industry definitely doesn't hurt um, on that aspect. Um, and so, so we'll kind of shift gears a little bit, but, you know, one of the things that you're being on the council, you're working with other people, right. Um, and you've been doing this for the last four years. So you definitely have some, uh, you know, uh, experience. You're the, currently the mayor. So what style of leadership do you, do you think you bring to the table to really work with, you know, some of the different personalities and to solve problems for the community? Yeah. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, so I've been in the role for four years. Uh, I have demonstrated an inclusive and open-minded approach to lead. Um, um, I focus on the issues uh, and I'm very objective about decision-making and uh, I have led by example. So my, my professional demeanor has set an example of focusing on the issues and topics and keeping the emotions and personalities aside as much as possible. I mean, there's, there will always be um, a little bit of that uh, anywhere you go, but anyone who is um, following the council meetings, anyone who is paying attention knows that I have brought so much calmness and so much focus on the issues and topics um, that uh, I think uh, has has been the case for the first time in in the recent past or or current in Foster City. And I've heard that those who are those who are following and watching have heard that from many that you know for the first time there is less drama in Foster City Council and more focus on. Um, on you know the topics that we need to solve. So, so that that is one way. Um, as as a mayor, I have attempted to bring the best from every member of the team, uh, including staff. But I also challenge the staff and my colleagues to you know go that extra mile, and um, and, and that um, that has helped the city overall. I think. I have offered a fresh and energetic uh, outlook to the role uh, because of my passion and because of my tireless work. Um, you know, sometimes that um, helps, um, you know, bring that energy and that passion to deal with some of the issues that we have been tackling for decades. Um, you know, if you look at um, the issues that uh, are important for this race. I mean, if you look at the prior race and the one prior race, we've been talking about some of the same issues um, because it's very difficult to move the needle on it. We can make some progress. So oftentimes it's very easy to get jaded on those topics, but I have not allowed that to happen to the extent possible. And I have, um, uh, for, for the things that I hear Oh, been that, done that, as like, let's revisit it. Let's try this again. Economic development is a classic example where, um, you know, we have tried as a city multiple things. We have not been able to be successful in attracting the restaurants. I mean, the restaurants um, in Foster City, they don't succeed and um, they, there isn't enough foot, tra foot traffic for them to be successful. So we have to be looking at creative ways to attract the right restaurant. Of course, COVID hasn't helped and aggravated the situation. But one of the things I heard was that from the staff that, you know, we will have a five-year plan for economic development. And I, I challenged that as like in five years, 
so many things change. So how we can't have a five-year plan because our community is extremely impatient about this aspect. How about we try uh, some pilots? So the recent direction that staff is working on is to potentially try a pilot by the Leo Ryan Park so we can test a concept and test how um, being closer to the waterways will help um, attract the business and attract, you know, more people and lead to the success. So, you know, that's just an example of like bringing in, you know, the, a fresh perspective, a new approach and that passion and that energy. So that, that helps, um, you know, with leadership. Another thing I would mention is that um, my colleagues, um, uh, my council colleagues, I always um, treated them with respect and listened to their viewpoints always with an open mind. And I have uh, pivoted based on, um, you know, a good point or something I was not thinking about that was b- brought forth by my colleagues. So I have a very open mind um, and not set in my ways on any topic. And I consider my colleagues um, to be representing the community. So when I hear their views and their input, I I am hearing from the community also. So I, I treat their viewpoints as representatives of the community. Uh, and I always listen to them with an open mind. So I remove the personality aspect um, from, from the discussions and conversations. So that very objective and fact-based leadership is what that has resulted in focus on the right things in city council and, and in Foster City. Sounds good. Um, and uh, so you, you mentioned talking about um, some future plans as far as, you know, um, talking with the city. So what would be your plan for Foster City? Like, what is your vision for Foster City over the next 10 years? So, um, yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, so as I'm knocking on doors in various neighborhoods as part of the re-election process, I'm I'm simply amazed by the beauty our city has. Um, it is simply a blessing. Um, you know, the way the, the, the houses are, you know, our open parks and, um, um, you know, the, the amenities that we have, it's, it's simply a, a blessing. And I think it's worth protecting and preserving. But we also need to keep up with time uh, we need to capitalize on our waterways. We need to add more amenities for all age groups. Um, and there are a number of things that are already in motion for us to get to what, where we want to in 10 years. And we have a lot more work to do. My 10-year vision for Foster City is to, be, to continue to be a sustainable city. And it is becoming very challenging to remain so. So by sustainability, I mean... We need to be economically, financially sustainable. We need to be sustainable in terms of environment and climate. And we need to remain sustainable in being inclusive and from social sustainability standpoint. So be inclusive and more welcoming on all these aspects. Um, We, I envision us to have made progress on all these aspects and set an example of how we are able to preserve our uniqueness, what makes us unique. Uh, But at the same time, we also evolve to become this modern city 
um, with all the best practices um, that anyone can have, like with regards to whether it's technology or other solutions and, um, you know, made strides toward um, remaining a thriving and welcoming place uh, for our residents, for our current and future residents. Damn, sounds good. And, and I appreciate what you mentioned on the other question about uh, the test of change, because coming from a quality background, I, I, I appreciate, um, you know, that process of doing those kind of tests of change, especially if we're going to look at development as far as, um, you know, businesses and, and things like that, trying to, um, you know, just try different ideas about businesses and economic um, things like that. So um, appreciate that. So I guess the final question would be, um, what would you like to say to the residents and voters of Foster City? So, I, you know, I'll say that um, it, it takes talent, experience, knowledge, and passion to preserve this amazing city we are fortunate to live in. And um, we, we have bought into the vision of a master plan community, those who live here. And it is our responsibility to contribute toward preserving that. So what I ask the resident and voters is to offer their continued support to continue the good work that we have done and allow me to use my experience, my passion, and their voice to preserve Foster City in the ideals of what DJAC Foster's vision was. And I'll also say that we are going to face many new challenges. Um, As I already talked about post-pandemic cost escalations and pressure on our revenue base, we are extremely concerned about state housing requirements, and there would be other things, unforeseen circumstances, And it is going to take a steady hand, experience, and presence of forethought to to come up with effective solutions to these challenges. And I think experience allows council members to lead effectively and implement solutions, especially when they are unexpected, like the pandemic was. And they can hit the ground running rather than having to learn on the job. So over the past four years, I have learned so much and I have contributed so much uh, despite the pandemic challenges. And I have demonstrated that I have listened to my community and that uh, after listening to my community, I have been able to architect solutions that are meaningful and productive and timely. Um, So I have proven that I have that experience and knowledge as well as that acumen to work with civility, with other council members and staff um, and affect solutions that matter to our community every day. So I would request my residents again to join Congresswoman Jackie Spear, who I'm very honored to have her endorsement, as well as several other leaders um, throughout the region to, um, to vote for me for another term so I can continue to do the good work that we all need and we all so desperately want. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you have a busy schedule and um, where can the voters find out more information about your candidacy? So my website is 
richaforus.com. So Richa, my first name, R-I-C-H-A, for, spell it out, F-O-R, and U-S.com. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, Richa, and thank you so much for uh, sharing your views and vision here on Podcast, Podcast by the Bay. We appreciate it. Thank you, Andres, so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is our continued candidate coverage for the Foster City Council race. And so for this segment, we're going to speak with candidate Evan Adams. And so, Evan, thank you for being here on Podcast by the Bay. Hey, Andre. Great to see you, or I guess hear you, and uh, great to be on your podcast today. I've I've never missed a podcast by the Bay, so thanks for having me here. (laughs) Well, thanks, Evan. And we've actually have featured you before on a, a previous episode regarding the levy. So uh, if people want to hear that one, they can go back and listen to the, the, the levy uh, issue uh, where we were speaking with uh, many of the members of the public. And so Evan was also featured on that one as well. So without further ado, can you give us a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you decided to run for city council? Well, you know, Andre, thanks so much for having me today. Uh, really appreciate the service, you know, being able to speak to the community and get things on the record, extremely helpful uh, in this modern age of, of uh, social media and everything that the direct conversations are always best. So, uh, yeah. So my name's Evan. Uh, I grew up in San Mateo County. I grew up, uh, you know, coming out to Foster City, but I, I grew up in San Mateo, went to San Mateo schools, then went off to college, got my education, started my business, uh, married my fantastic wife, Heather, and then eventually we worked our way back, and uh, we we landed here in Foster City, and um, it, it's just just been a wonderful place to be. Uh, I'm a I'm 43 years old, and if elected, I'd certainly be the youngest person on the council, and I think I'd be the first Zennial or Millennial elected to the city council. Uh, also, you know, I'm a I'm a homeowner here in Neighborhood One, and so where is Neighborhood One? Neighborhood One is uh, the area you could think of as around the PJCC. It was the first area of Foster City built. My home was the original home built in 1963. Um, so I'd be the only council member from my neighborhood. Uh, currently, we have three council members all living in one neighborhood, and uh, I would be in a different neighborhood. Um, my wife and I love where we live because we walk everywhere. We're able to walk to coffee. We're able to walk to dinner. Uh, I spend a lot of time driving for my day job. And so it's great to be able to come home, stretch the legs and and really enjoy Foster City. Uh, Also, you know, we uh, we rented in neighborhood one when we first moved here. And so I do want to make clear, you know, I, I. It took us a long time to save enough to buy a home. And so I really do. I feel those burdens that renters feel. And they're an extremely important voice in our community. So that's who I am. Now, in terms of me as a candidate, uh, I'm on my fourth year on the planning commission. I was unanimously elected by my peers, by the other uh, planning commissioners to be chair this year. And uh, all the planning commissioners that I serve with have endorsed me. 
Uh, I serve as the planning commissioner's representative on our city's traffic review committee. And that is where we analyze changes to our streets, our bike infrastructure and parking. Uh, on that committee, I sit with police, fire, public works, even a council member. But I've been there for four years. Uh, otherwise, the council member rotates annually. Uh, I'm president of the Foster City Historical Society. We're one of the oldest clubs in Foster City. Uh, you know, Foster City is unique. We're 50 years old, and we have a unique ability to preserve our history and learn from it. Uh, unlike many cities on the peninsula, uh, you know, where the history has been lost, we're, we're able to preserve it. And our motto is, we preserve the past, and we're always looking towards the future. So through my involvement in the Historical Society, I've come to really cherish that dream and, and that intent that the Fosters had of our master plan in Foster City. So through all this work, through the civic engagement, I really feel like I understand how our city functions. But more importantly, I see where we're going and how we can do better uh, and improve. Uh, like I said, in 2021, we celebrated our 50th birthday. Uh, with that milestone, uh, we comes acceptance, acceptance of the age of our city and the need that we need to plan for our future. Our homes, our small businesses, our city infrastructure especially, they're all updating now. We've hit that 50-year mark, and now it's, everything is starting to refresh. So I'm running for Foster City because I want to help shape the policies where we move forward. On the Planning Commission, I have to operate within a very tight box. I have to only operate within the policies as set by the City Council. So that, that's the important work that the City Council does. Um, I've enjoyed being on the Planning Commission immensely, but now I want to lend a hand in shaping the policy box that we're able to operate in and the policies that create for a more sustainable foster city going forward. Thanks, Andre. Okay. Well, so there, you know, there's five different candidates running. And so when the voters look at the, all the candidates, why would, why should the voters vote for you? Okay. So, you know, I think the first thing when you're looking at a city council is, is to think about it this way. You're not actually looking for necessarily the best candidate. So you're not looking for that. You're not looking for the, the perfection. What you are looking for is the best team player. So it's about when you're on the council, when you're on any commission, committee, or council, you're, you're, you're looking for the best person that's going to fit in and work as a team. Our Foster City Council is a team of five people. In order to get anything done in Foster City, you have to be able to work together. We rise and we fall together as a city. I have the experience and the temperament and to, to engage in respectful collaboration and as a team player with the other council members. I've demonstrated this leadership on the Planning Commission. I've shown that I'm committed to following precedent of our past. I've shown a focus and attention to our dream of Foster City, that original master plan. Further, I really do believe in compromise and finding solutions with compromise is always a win-win. At the end of the day, 
I'm on the council to represent the people of Foster City. Sure, we might disagree on the council, but my decisions on council are about more than me, about more than ego, about more than any of that. It's about our community. It's about the community input. It's about thinking about what is best in the long-term interests to set our city up for success. I hold that philosophy, looking forward, planning for future success as a core value of mine. I've got the experience. I've put in the work. I've seen our past. I've learned from our past. And I think I can work with our council as a team player to get us ready for the next 50 years. Okay. So when you look at the issues that are facing Foster City, you you brought up a couple and you obviously – you know, are, are paying attention to what's happening with our community. So what are the top two issues that you feel are facing Foster City and how do you plan to address them? All right. Two issues. Uh, two issues. Let's see here. So on the, the general theme, right, is, is, move, is how we're going to plan for the future. And I think the two issues here revolve both around sustainability, uh, the idea of sustainability for me, but, and, and you know, here's the two issues, economic sustainability and environmental sustainability. So our master plan, let's start with economic. Our master plan had local shopping centers in every single neighborhood of Foster City. The idea was you were to have a local local shopping center where you could go to your shopping, not get in your car, not create traffic for everyone. And we've lost those. We've lost many of those shopping centers. And even today, a lot of our shopping centers are simply sitting vacant and they're blighted retail. And that, that is risking our future. It's risking our, our culture. It's risking our social cohesion. It's risking our economic uh, ability to have a base. So we need to figure out a way to work within our city to attract good quality tenants and fill these shopping centers. How do we do that? It starts with cutting red tape. We need to support a vibrant citywide business community and we need to make it easy for businesses to come in. I have heard this on the planning commission for four years. It is too difficult to get through our city processes. There are too many multiple inspectors. We need to make it easy for people to come in and open a business in our town. It shouldn't take months to get a decision or a use permit change if you want to do something different. We need to be quick and nimble about how we approach things. Uh, You know, we need, along with those small businesses, that's retail. It'll never be the core of our revenue in Foster City, but it is the core of what people need. Uh, We do need to partner with larger businesses. Uh, It's it's about hitting that balance. we can, we, while we are doing this, our remaining shopping centers are up close against the lagoon. And so this kind of leads me into my next point about environmental sustainability. We need to come up with a plan in Foster City about how to activate our waterfront. And in order to do that, in order to take advantage of both our levee system and the shopping center we have out by the levee and in our lagoon, and the shopping center we have along the lagoon and whatever future development we might have, we need to maintain 
and improve our environmental sustainability in Foster City because there are balance. You need economic sustainability and you can never get that economic sustainability unless you reach an environmentally sustainable ecosystem. So for me, where I live, our waterways, in my view, have not been prioritized in Foster City. My local beach here in neighborhood one, Eckenbrack Park, has been closed for more than four years. I think it's been open for a few weeks in those four years from our, our testing of the beaches. It's on the beach bummer list as the most polluted beach in California. That's unacceptable. It's an embarrassment to our city. We have to address this. We have to address this for our entire lagoon system. How do we do that? First, the environmental consultants, when they came back to city council, recommended verbally, it was not in the report, but verbally they said, we recommend that you do a circulation study of your lagoon. We've not done it. We need to do it. That will tell us how the water is flowing in our lagoon and why we seem to have these issues at certain locations in our lagoon. Let's do that. Let's have a transparent conversation about it. Let's publish those results. This is a science question. We can do it. We can science our way through this. Next up, dredging. The lagoon is going to end up being dredged. Public Works has asked that it be moved forward almost 10 years in order to address these issues. We're going to need to move forward with that planning. We're going to need forward with figuring out how to fund that dredging. And it needs to be actual dredging this time. Uh, it needs to be an actual removal of the contaminants that have settled at the bottom of our lagoon. So, as I've said, we need to prioritize our well-maintained waterfronts. Uh, what makes Foster City especially unique? What is our unique selling point? It's our waterfronts. It's that when you think of Foster City, it's the Isle of Blue Lagoons. Let's focus on that. Let's maximize on that. And I think we'll have a we'll have a really bright future and uh, we'll start to make some progress in terms of, of, of maximizing our city's future potential. Well, I appreciate you mentioning Erkenbrack Park, too. I'm definitely familiar with that. I used to take my children there um, pretty frequently when they were really young. Um, I, I really enjoy that that playground. Um, so also, uh, so appreciate, appreciate your info and how you plan to really address it, because I think these are definitely important. So, um, you know, as far as you, you did mention working together and, and, and leadership and things like that. So what style of leadership do you bring to the table and are able to work with some of the different personalities? And so you can come together and solve the problems for the community. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I'll start with one thing. Um, leadership and, and being on a city council shouldn't be about personality. It should be professional. It should be respectful. Um, but we shouldn't be throwing personalities. Uh, we're not electing personalities. We're electing leaders and, and people. Uh, you know, how is, what is my style? Let's say that. Um, I, I focus on being extremely informed when I come to a meeting. I focus on collaborating with what other people have to say. And it's extremely important for me to be highly transparent in any decision, any thought process that goes forward. I think too much in government gets clouded in, in sort of, I know best, and that's not the right thing to do. We need to be highly transparent in anything we do. Uh, I had it described to me last night that my style is pragmatic common sense. 
And, you know, I, I, I kind of, I stopped and I thought, Hey, that, that's, that's really true. That's how I approach things. I, I try to be extremely pragmatic and I try to make sure that what we're doing is, is just common sense. So, uh, you know, let, let me start with, with when I approach these things, I, I can kind of, I, I can be sort of a nerd. I can kind of be a, a policy wonk uh, that might be kinder to say about it, but I really like when I come into something, I really like digging into the information that is presented to you, to us and the data, all of it. I want as much information as possible. I do my research uh, on the planning commission, for example, I usually spend at least a day before any planning commission meeting preparing for that meeting. Uh, you know, it takes time from work, but it's well worth it. I mean, our, our city is deserves that time. And, you know, we, we deserve that in our city. I really believe our, our city, we deserve someone who's smart and who always does their homework before coming into that meeting, because that is your starting baseline. You have to have done the homework. You need to be able to process that and be ready. Because once you're in that meeting, you need to make sure that you're paying attention to the public and, and the discussion, that you're not receiving new information at that time. So for me, I really want to see the city council uh, focus on being a collaborative body, on setting the direction that we're going to go and, and being transparent. While we're doing that, when you're on a city council, when you're, when you're on a commission, you need to be focused on taking community input. So that should, that should be, that community input needs to come from all four corners of our community. I want to see a more deliberative, process on our city council if that means we need to have more study sessions and that what is a study session in the city council that is where the city council members are asking questions and staff is asking questions to the city council to try to move forward to try to learn about something it's not about setting policy at those times it's about learning it's about studying and also the community studying and learning with us i'd like to see us have a few more town halls uh, we had more town halls years ago on on important issues. I think that's important. When we have those town halls or those study sessions, I personally would like to see them at more varied times on more days. And because it's important that we allow everyone to participate. A lot of us have nine to five jobs. You can't get to a city council meeting at 630 on a Monday night when you have a nine to five job. So maybe we need to think about having town halls and study sessions on weekends and at different times so that more people can participate. Uh, you know, also, you know, government is not easy. It's hard work. I get that. Um, so I, I don't want to criticize, but I, I think sometimes our past councils have strayed away from making difficult decisions and having those discussions in public. In my opinion, that's a disservice to our community. Uh, we're so lucky in Foster City. We have such an engaged community. You don't get that in most cities. Uh, we're not always going to agree on every issue when we're up there, but that doesn't mean we can't be civil and that we can't have a respectful discussion. One of my favorite sayings uh, when I approach uh, any meeting is, is we can disagree but we can disagree without becoming disagreeable. I think that's really important. Uh, that goes back to personalities. We don't need to be disagreeable. 
because personalities get in the way. Let's just let let's find a collaborative way. If that means compromise, let's find that and work together. It's really important. And I think, you know, I think the community has seen me working on the planning commission. I'm intentionally, when I approach the planning commission, I am more formal in the way that that I approach the planning commission. People have pointed out to me that they notice I wear a tie when I go to the planning commission. I put on a coat and tie when I show up. That's a reminder to me that I'm flipping that switch of formality and I'm being more formal in what I am coming forward to on the planning commission, to what I, to my interaction with the community. But it's also a sign of respect to the community saying, I'm here for you and I'm treating this interaction with the formality and respect that you deserve. Uh, you know, ultimately we're just representatives of the community. And for me, it's important I always honor that. I always need to treat that relationship with formality and dignity and respect that our community deserves. That's paramount for me in how I carry myself in these meetings. And, okay. you know, well, just one final thing, Andre. I, 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 find it, I find it almost unbelievable that I even have to say this because in my mind, these traits are absolute bare minimum and we should expect it and required of our council members and our and our and any of our public discourse. I believe we need to focus on being civil, on kindness and respect. And I'll always do that on the city council. I'll always comport myself in a dignified manner. You you talked a little bit about some of uh, I think your vision are earlier in regards to environmental sustainability things like that. So what is your vision for Foster City in the next ten years? Hey, well, there you go. That that is that's kind of the theme of what I've been going for the whole time. Where where are we going forward from here? Ten years from now, ten years ago, I, I see Foster City. We're going to have. We need to have. If, if we're not going to. We need to, and we need to focus on cleaner waterways, cleaner waterfront. Uh, we're going to have changes on our waterfront in terms of rec center, in terms of of maybe activating some more retail on our waterfront, inviting new businesses. Uh, to our retail waterfront centers. Uh, Ten years from now, our levy will have been done for years. It'll be part of our normal life. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to going back out on the levy. Uh, important. This is something I get a lot of questions from, from people. The timeline for the levy. April 2023 is when the contractor is supposed to start finishing parts of the levy. And over the course of 2023... Uh, it'll slowly be turned over, and January of 2024, the levy should be back open, according to the current city council uh, schedule. Ten years from now, uh, I, it's really important to me, this item. I see us having stability in our city government. I And I'm not talking about elections, and I'm not talking about city council members. I'm talking about the people that work with us. Hopefully in 10 years, a lot of the same city staff will be with us again. Hopefully they'll be, have gained that 10 years of long-term knowledge that you can only gain through time working at one job. And retaining those city staff is a priority to me. It is something in our past that we had that was a prize of Foster City. Long-term staff who had been here, who knew where the pipes were, where the electrical went, uh, they, they learned the little intricacies of our government. 
hopefully we are able to hold on and retain our city staff. It's been hard to retain people recently. And finally, you know, I, I see in 10 years from now, a calmness in Foster City. We've had a number of really rough years. It's time that we focus on civility and positive forward progress. A calmness, a stability in Foster City in 10 years. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, so final question. Um, what would you like to say to the residents and voters of Foster City? This is your opportunity to speak out directly to them. Thanks, Andre, and thanks for your time today. Uh, I got a couple things here. Um, let me see here. First, uh, you know, one thing that I was surprised about uh, that I want the residents to know that I'm hearing and, and that the city is, is going to be working on, uh, while knocking on doors, it's public safety. I was surprised at this. We've, we have exceptional fire and police services in Foster City, but I'm honestly somewhat surprised to hear the concerns raised in our community. Uh, people are worried about their public safety. They're worried about crime rates in Foster City. And, uh, you know, indeed, you know, we, we've had a string of really brazen crimes in Foster City recently. And it's, it's absolutely critical that we continue to keep our community safe and protected. Uh, it's important to me that we support police, fire, and other public services to the highest quality service that we can provide. Um, I'm gonna support the investment in people, training and technology and services to help deter uh, crime and, and keep our streets safe. Uh, we're gonna need to redouble our efforts on educating the public uh, making sure we keep our homes safe and secure. Public safety, it's a critical issue in our community that I was not expecting, and we are going to take it seriously as a city council. Uh, second, I want to make very clear, I'm always open to conversations, and I pledge to always have our community conversations in an open and transparent manner. My belief personally, is that deliberations need to happen during normal hours that are publicly noticed and open to all. It requires more meetings. It might require more meetings. That's fine with me. We owe that to our community in Foster City to work through the important issues together in an open and transparent manner and invite everyone in our community to the table when we have those discussions. And finally, uh, you know, th this is a this is something I, I just want to address and, and, and move forward with. I want to talk about Mariners Point, the golf course. I've learned a lot about Mariners Point since 2018. I've learned some key things about the golf course. Uh, I've gone back and I've researched it. As I've said, I always I always dig into the information and the details. Uh, the golf course, frankly, has been used as a political tool in Foster City in every election since 2016. In 2016, it was discussed. In 2018, 2020, and now again in 2022, it's being used as a political hot potato. Why? Uh, this year, I think it's being discussed because, frankly, it was a horrible disservice to our community when the city council had a land use discussion of that magnitude at 1 a.m. in the morning. They'd already been in a meeting for hours and hours and hours. On the city council, I pledge, I'm going to make a campaign pledge here, 
I pledge to never make such decisions or have such conversations at such hours. It isn't right. That meeting should have been continued and the council members should not let those sort of meetings go that late unless it's an emergency that you have to address that night. And if a decision of that magnitude is coming that late at night, it means someone hasn't done their homework in advance. We need to have had a proactive communication with the community and a community discussion on that subject before it ever came to that at the city council. What is my position on the golf course and Mariner's Point? I'm all for keeping the golf course in the driving range if that is what our community wants. I think that's been discussed in small forums, but we need to have a more public discussion on that. What I personally think about the golf course, frankly, doesn't matter. Your council members are elected to represent the community, and we have to listen to what the community wants. Uh, in, at one point in time, I thought we could have mitigated the impacts of growth out at the golf by using the golf course land. And that was back in 2018 before I was ever involved officially in, in city government on any commission or committee. And so since 2018, the world has changed. And I've also changed on this issue and, and I've, I've learned a lot. So I wanna talk a little bit about what I've learned about the golf course in that time. Number one, we've gone through COVID since 2018. We've lost two years of our lives. That has changed how people fundamentally use outdoor facilities. I've learned that in that process, cheap and subsidized golf is extremely important to members of our community, along with cheap and subsidized driving range. Uh, number two, the kiteboarders out there. I've had a lot of conversations with the kiteboarding community out there, and the kiteboarding is highly dependent on wind conditions across Mariner's Point. Our kiteboarding is world-class. It's Olympic grade. If we ever have the Olympics come back to the San Francisco Bay Area, that would be an ideal location to locate them. That wind direction, that a wind accessibility needs to be preserved and maintained. Look at my record on the Planning Commission where I've been asking for wind studies on other projects. Uh, number three. Uh, we could have better out there. Sure, let's keep the golf, but it can be more than just golf. Let's make it the best recreation space as possible. I agree with the suggestion some residents, a nice restaurant would be great, but what else? What about childcare? That's something our entire community needs. Maybe we could partner with a corporate partner to do childcare out there. I think uh, a business operator out there cannot function on these continual short-term leases. It's time to get that business operator out there onto a long-term lease so they can begin to improve their property and have a long-term business plan. The current lease nets the city about $29,000 a month. It runs to December 2024. We don't need this to be an issue again in 2024. Let's get this settled. Let's get them into a long-term lease and move forward. For further... We're building a $1 billion wastewater treatment plant across the street from Mariner's Point. It's the largest project that Foster City's ever been part of. It's far larger than our levy. And that new wastewater treatment plant does, has the ability to produce recycled water. We didn't have that in 2018. We could give the golf course recycled water 
and, and free up more water resources for our city. Let's use that billion dollar investment and maintain our outdoor recreational spaces with that investment. Number five, I'm endorsed by the Sierra Club. I'm an active participator, participating member in the Sierra Club. The Sierra Club is extremely clear on this issue. All recreation and green space along the Bayfront needs to stay that way and be preserved. I understand their positions and their endorsement of me is the best proof of the learning that I've gone through since 2018. And finally, number six, for the last four years on the Planning Commission, I've been engaged in learning and engaged in the minutiae that is state law surrounding all the different zoning and, and state law requirements. We can make the golf course permanently zoned parkland and end this discussion, end this divisiveness that happens in our community every two years forever. How do we do that? It's called downzoning. You can downzone the golf course to parkland, and this can be done as part of our current eight-year planning cycle. We can do it legally right now as part of our current process. We've already done the programmatic EIR, Environmental Impact Report, to do this work. If the community wants to follow state law, we can do this. We can downzone the golf course, and then we can find elsewhere in the city to upzone and provide uh, a, a balance to the state um, and remain in complete compliance with the law. So let's let's look at this golf course as an opportunity. Let's look as this as an opportunity to find a solution to resolve this matter now and forever. Let's get that lease signed and let's decide what we're going to do about the zoning of the property. So there you go, Andre. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to go down that extensive rabbit hole. It's not something you can do by email or by a Facebook post or anything like that. So there's a lot of misinformation in our community spreading about the subject. And I want the public to know the truth about how we have changed since 2018, the new resources we have since 2018, and the evolution on this subject since 2018. I think the sign of a good public leader is someone who's willing to be presented with new facts and come with new solutions, new conclusions based on those new facts. We're, we're never stuck in amber. We're always moving forward. And so our, our thinking on this subject should, should not be set in stone. So, you know, finally, Andre, just in conclusion, thank you so much today for all of this. We live in a phenomenal city here in Foster City, and I hope everyone can remember that and cherish that. Let's ensure that Foster City remains the phenomenal center of commerce, center of living, center of being in a water-based community. I'm running for city council because I love our city. I love Foster City. I want to do my small part to lay the groundwork for 50 more years of our incredible city's success with incredibly wonderful people living together in our town. I'm here to re-embrace our master plan, the one set in the 1960s. Our community deserves that. Let's re-embrace that. 
and let's take it seriously moving forward. Let's stop deviating from that. I am ultimately, look, Andre, we need to re-embrace Foster City's initial sales slogan. Welcome to the Isle of Blue Lagoons. That's the spirit we need to embrace here in Foster City for a brighter future for all of us together. Thanks for your time today, Andre. I really enjoy your interviews on Podcast by the Bay. I thank all your listeners for tuning in and, and thank you for your time that, that you're putting into to talking with all of us about the future of Foster City. Thank you. Well, thank you too, Evan. I appreciate you taking the time uh, speaking with us and learning more about your vision and some of your background and just uh, really some of the issues that really are burning uh, for you and some of the constituents that you've been uh, talking to out on the campaign trail. Um, so if uh, some of the voters and some of the residents would like to find out more about your candidacy, uh, what, what is the web, the best website they can reach you at? What is your website? <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, you always got to tell people how to reach you. Yeah, so you can, everyone can reach me at www.evan4fc.com. The number four or the letters, F-O-R, work both the same, fine. I'm obviously available on all the social medias, but my website really is the best way to get to me. And you can read about my priorities for Foster City and my vision for Foster City there. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time, Evan. Good luck on the race. Thanks, Andre. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We're continuing our Foster City Council candidate forum and uh for this particular segment, we're going to speak with our candidate, Stacy Jimenez. So, Stacy, welcome to the show. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Um, can you give us a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for city council? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, I'm a longtime listener, and this is uh, great to finally be on your podcast. Uh, so I'm a 19-year resident of Foster City. Um, my husband actually grew up here. Uh, he arrived in 1978, so we have deep roots in the city. Uh, we're raising three girls, uh, 20, 22, 14, and 12. Uh, the younger two are in public schools in Foster City and San Mateo. Uh, and really why I decided to get into this uh, I, I feel like there's some really big decisions facing our city in the next few years that are really going to change how our city looks and feels. And those decisions have to be made with a very careful eye to, to not only what the residents want, but we're also looking at some pretty hefty um, state requirements as well. And so I feel like it's important as we make these decisions to not only be in the community and, and really uh, getting the pulse of what our residents want and what they need, but also to be educating them about some of these state requirements. And um, I'm an attorney and property manager, so I have kind of a unique skill set. I think that will help um, as we look at some of these issues. And I, I just, I love our city. I love living here. I think it's an incredible place to raise our kids. And I really want to ensure that it, it keeps that family friendly feel. Um, but um, also looking, you know, with an eye to maybe reinvigorating and re-energizing um, some areas of our city. Okay. So 
what would make you the best choice as a candidate and why should the voters vote for you? Quite simply, I I think I'm the best candidate because I've I've done the work um, the last several years to not only get up to speed on the issues facing in council, but I do understand the interrelationships between the roles of council members, staff, and city manager. I think that you need to to really understand how all of those different positions work, work together, what the boundaries are. And I've worked really hard the last couple of years to build up relationships with other uh, elected officials throughout the area. And that's important. We need to tackle some of our problems um, with a regional um, kind of point of view and and to have those relationships, to be able to pick up the phone and, and speak with, um, you know, other people that we can really get on board, um, to, you know, with some of our issues, I think is going to be really important. Uh, I am currently the vice chair of the parks and recreation committee. And through that, I've kind of gotten a bird's eye view into um, our city and how it works and some of the issues there and, and just how decisions are made. Uh, and I also think that I'm I'm someone who's not afraid to take action when needed. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a council member who was openly mocking and mistreating residents. And I listened to their concerns and I took action to get him recalled. And we did that quite successfully. So I have those pro- proven leadership skills and I'm, I'm passionate about our community. I'm, our community. I'm passionate about making sure that our choices are reflective of our residents. And I'm passionate about making sure that uh, decisions that we make are, um, are are good decisions that are really going to improve the quality of life, not only for those residents who live here, but those who work here as well. So I think I have a unique, a unique perspective, but ultimately it comes down to the fact that I'm willing to do the work to make sure the decisions that are made are reflective of our uh, residents. And I think that says, um, says a lot about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Um, so, uh, you brought up a couple of issues, right? You talked about some of the state requirements, you talked about working regionally. So looking at all the issues that, that, that are kind of what we're dealing with, right. As a community, what would be the top two issues that you feel are facing foster city and how would you plan to address them? So as I've been out walking and talking, uh, really have been listening to the residents and some of their concerns. Uh, I think the number one concern, uh, and it's really the elephant in the room, is housing. Uh, the state has a mandate that says we need to identify 1,896 units and where those units are going to go within Foster City. Uh, our, our staff has come up with a plan, and that's under state review right now. But uh, if those units are to come online as, as um, identified in our general plan, that's really going to change the look and the feel of our city. Um, I think that there are places for housing. Um, I think that we can look creatively at the type of housing we built. And I want to make sure that the housing that we get built, that we build, will actually make a difference. So, for example, I would love to see uh, the OSH site be developed into a low-income senior housing. That's the kind of housing that um, our community needs. We've got an aging senior population, and a lot of them will be looking to to age in their home, and something like this might be a real boon um, and a benefit to the city without adding, um, say, children to our classrooms, right? Um, And seniors don't drive as often, um, so there's that. I think that 
um, you know, there's, there's ways to bring housing into our city that isn't going to change the feel of our city. It may change some of the look, but I'm determined that it won't add to our traffic. I'm determined to make sure that if we add housing, we're also adding public transportation options and that we have enough water and electricity. Um, all of those things have to be thought through as we add housing. And I think I can do that well. Uh, I think if we're looking at the second issue, I mean, there's multiple, right? We've got the geese issue. We've got airplane noise. We've got schools. Only so many of those things um, can we touch as city council members. But I think that if I had to pinpoint a second, um, I'm concerned about making sure that we are going to be able to balance our budget over the next couple of years. Um, Because of the pandemic, we're still kind of slowly crawling out of that uh, period of time. And we're going to be looking at a structural deficit within the next couple of years. And we've already committed to building a new rec center, and that's going to be a significant draw on on some of our um, funding. Um, So I think as we look at our budget, I want to make sure that, first of all, we're not sacrificing staff positions or staff salaries. Uh, Staff is really the foundation of our city in many ways. And if we're not taking care of our staff and if we're not uh, recruiting qualified um, staff, we're going to have some serious issues. So there's that. And um, I think that in, you know, as we tackle this, I'm really interested in looking at <clears throat> maybe transfers from our general reserves. Um, we can look at raising the ceiling on our business license tax cap um, and maybe even deferring some of our uh, capital improvement or CIP projects that may not be immediately necessary. Uh, we can maybe look at pushing some of those out a couple of years. Um, and delaying some of our projects and and utilizing kind of all of this multifaceted um, approach, I think that we can keep our our budget healthy and uh, moving you know moving forward with what we need to do with it uh, you know, through the next couple of years. You know, Stacey, uh, I, I appreciate your your um, uh, you know what you're describing is you know where you think the issues are i just have a question regarding housing and in regards to as a longtime renter i think one of the issues that i had always kind of i think faced with a family right um was that there wasn't it was very challenging to have a long term sustainability around being able to stay within the community right cuz with the apartments things like that so would part of your, I think, vision on housing include ways to, uh, you know, provide sustainable solutions for families that want to stay in foster city and not end up having to leave? Uh, sure, that's a good question. I, I think that um, <clears throat> I, I think we do need to add housing. There's no question. And, and again, looking at the kind of housing that makes sense, right? We can easily satisfy the state requirements and build 1,800 new studios. Um, but we need housing um, that will work for our families. And um, unfortunately, though, we're, we're built out. So what is what does that look like? Um, does it need adding more apartments? Does it need adding density? Uh, we, we might have to look into that. We might have to do some of that. Um, but we have to do it, like I said, in a way that makes sense for Foster City. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that we're going to be able to build ourselves out of this housing crisis that we're in. But I do think that, you know, we can make some smart choices um, as a city and 
again, really look at what kind of housing we need. I, I would love to look at workforce housing for our staff and our teachers. Um, but again, you know, two and three bedroom apartments um, versus, you know, maybe a, a higher density high rise, right? Um, so again, it's, it's really a holistic approach and it's really looking at kind of what we need and how can we do that within the confines of our city? Because like I said, we're built out. We have literally one way in, one way out. And so we want to make sure that we're not only protecting the current residents, but building something that is sustainable for, for those new residents who will be looking to, to come into our city or, or just those renters who want to stay. Sounds Um, good. You know, I I do want to add, I, I'm not in favor of building on the golf course. I've had that question asked of me quite a bit. Uh, I think that there are other, you know, ways and places where we can add housing without sacrificing, um, you know, our parks and our, and our amenities like the golf course. Okay. Okay. So we'll continue on. And so what's, what style of leadership do you bring to the table and to be able to work with some of the different personalities, right? You know, the council, there's, there's different personalities there's five different people. So, um, you know, so what style of leadership do you bring to really to come together and solve problems for the community? I would describe myself as a collaborative leader. Uh, I really consider myself to be an independent thinker, And I'm not coming into this with an ego. I'm coming into this with an eye of let's figure out how to do the work and let's figure out how to best represent our residents. And I think that when you're coming at it from that point of view and looking at each decision independently, I I think that you're you're going to be making decisions that are not not based on alliances, um, not based on political party preferences and what your party wants you to do. Um, but decisions based on fact and research and outreach into the community. And I think that if you're if you're coming at it that way, um, I think that you'll be able to get a lot done. Um, during the, the recall a few years ago that I was a part of, we had very different groups coming together to get um, this council member recalled. And people, when they have different ideas why they wanted to recall him, meant that you had some very different methods for recalling him. And we really had to work together to figure out a plan. And I was able to bridge um, all of these different groups and, and really get the work done. And, and we did it well. We had a 77% um, of the electorate choosing to, to remove this council member. So that's, I think, speak, speaks volumes about my ability to, to work with different types of people and, and difficult, strong leaders. Um, we had some really strong opinions and, um, I think that at the end of the day, my goal is to have uh, spirited discussions as needed with our, our council members. Um, but I think that if we can all come to the table with an eye of what are we really doing? Let's keep an eye on the goal. The goal is to represent our city and to make good decisions based on what our residents want. And I think that if we can do that, we can get the work done. And then hopefully, you know, grab a beer at the end of the meeting, right? I want to have that. Um, civil, transparent, honest relationship with each of my council members. And um, I think that we can, we can do some good. Okay. So for your vision for Foster City, what would that look like in 10 years? What's your vision for Foster City in 10 years? (laughs) Well, there's the vision. Um, I think that we would all love to see some uh, revitalized, 
shopping centers. Uh, I think that we would love to see better public transportation options, uh, less traffic, um, and and more amenities. Um, now, are we going to see all of that? Maybe not. But I, I do know that we will probably see some more housing. But my hope is that as we add housing, we're going to be able to re-energize parts of our city and revitalize um, some of our, our shopping centers as we bring people in to support new businesses. I would like to see a more uh, robust public transportation system that is better able to really deal with that first and last mile issue, right? Getting our residents into and out of Foster City. And I think that if we can work with some of our uh, corporate partners like um, Gilead Illumina, I think that we can do some some good towards this and uh, really benefit um, Foster City. Um, and I think hopefully in the next 10 years, we'll have solved some of the issues with um, our geese and our, our waterways. I would like to see uh, that we are no longer making the beach bummer list. Um, and I think that we can do that. Uh, we're going to just have to, I think, invest in, in some of our uh, infrastructure and, and systems, and hopefully we can solve some of these issues. Um, but I, I look forward to what Foster City is going to become um, in the next 10 years. We've got some really great uh, things happening, and, and we'll be well on our way with our rec center. And I think that's going to add a, a big uh, boon to our city and um, be a really great uh, place for our city to come together. So I, I look forward to what our city is, is, is going to be in the next 10 years. Sounds good. So what would you like to say to all the residents and the voters of Foster City? Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I love our city and I am committed to doing right by our city. I, I think I have a proven record of leadership and I believe I'm running for the right reasons. And with that, I would ask for uh, the support of Foster City on November 8th. Okay. And so where can the voters find out more information about your candidacy? Like what, what would your uh, website uh, where they can reach you? I am easy to reach. Uh, my website is stacyforcouncil.com, spelled S-T-A-C-Y. And uh, I am generally at Penelope's every Friday morning at nine o'clock. I'll be there this Friday. And I am happy to meet with our, our residents and, and share more of who I am and what my vision for Foster City is. Well, thank you, Stacey. Thanks for your time. And thanks for speaking thank with you. Yes. And thanks for speaking with Podcast by the Bay. And so the voters can find out more information about you and your vision for Foster City. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. You can contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Podcast by the Bay is a production of Bay City Communications and is sponsored by Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com All material and content is property of Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast by the Bay as our handle, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast by the Bay.
And remember, you can listen to any of our episodes anytime on any podcast site. Until next time, stay tuned.